Good morning. Very thankful to be here today and to be able to share with you this morning. Um, when they first asked me um, to speak on Easter, I kind of said, Easter, wow, that is kind of like the Super Bowl. Um, that's a big day. So the first thing I did was I turned to my kids and I said, they've really asked me to do something and really stretch myself. So I'm wondering if if you guys would be able be willing to help me. And uh, I said, yes, Dad, yeah, definitely. So they came to me with their thoughts about helping me. <laughs> but ultimately, they both wanted to be the left shark, so I kind of had to cut out the halftime show today. So what I wanted to start with before we get into the message is, is an update, actually, on our work with Kenya Missions. God has moved tremendously in the past two weeks, and I, I just wanted to share what God has been doing because it's been so incredible with the journey that we've been through and what has happened lately. So for those of you that are not familiar, we've been partnering with Kenya and specifically with Bright Day Church in Rongo, Kenya for the past two years to be able to reach out to orphans in the area. There's a big orphan crisis They've been building a network of churches throughout Western Kenya, about five hours from Nairobi. And we've been partnering with them to, to help school and uh, uh, to help, help primarily with tuition for a set amount of, of orphans in the area. There's great need, but we're trying to step into this slowly. And about eight of us took a tri trip over there last uh, July to meet with them. And it was just amazing just to see the, the evangelistic gifts the care that they have for the orphans. Uh, many of the church leaders are orphans and therefore have a heart for the orphans. Um, but what happened late last year was our main contact, uh, the lead pastor, Pastor Caleb, um, was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. And in that area of Kenya, if you have cancer, that's pretty much a death sentence. And so we started to partner with him to see, well, what, what could we do? How could we help? And it became very apparent very quickly that there was nothing in, no facilities in Kenya that were really capable of handling this type of cancer. So we started to, we researched, um, we reached out to hospitals in South Africa, hospitals in India, hospitals in the U.S., and uh, got quotes of outrageous numbers back. And ultimately what we landed on was the best, the highest quality, most cost-efficient place for Pastor Caleb was Apollo Hospital in New Delhi, India. And so we, we began a quest of helping him to, to get to India. And at the, at the time, the quote was $30,000 to treat stage 3 cancer at, at, at the hospital versus well over $100,000 here in the U.S. So we were stretching ourselves where we said, let's, let's take a step of faith. Let's step out and see if we can get him to Delhi, India. We began that quest in late uh, December. Um, it took for... Now, understand, for an American to get a, a visa to India, you go online, you pay $50, you have a visa to India. For a Kenyan to do that, very different process. They are not looking to bring a lot of Kenyans to India. And so we, through the course of about four trips to the Nairobi, uh, the India embassy in Nairobi, we ultimately got the visa, a medical visa, for him to travel to India. We then had some, you know, about a week and a half of issues with the airlines for him to actually get boarded on the airline. But two and a half weeks ago, Pastor Caleb arrived in New Delhi, India for medical treatment. 
step, fir first step was that they were going to do a week-long assessment to be able to do their own diagnosis, see what's going on, see, see what they, they have as, as the issue with him, and then they would give us a quote and a treatment plan from there. After, so last Friday, I had a Skype call. This was actually my first Skype call ever, so I'm learning through this whole process. Caleb's in his you know, hotel room in India. I'm in my kitchen. Got the diagnosis. Let's have a discussion. What's going on? Diagnosis, stage 2 cancer, and a gallstone, a large gallstone in his gallbladder, which was part of the, the, the pain. Treatment, significantly less than stage 3 cancer. The diet and prognosis is much better. So earlier this week, Pastor Caleb received concentrated radiation on the specific tumor. He's now going he's flown back to Kenya. He's going to receive chemotherapy in Kenya for 90 days and then return back to India in three months um, for the robotic surgery on the gallbladder and then assessment of everything. But I would have told you three weeks ago that he had a less than 50% chance of survival. Now I would say the odds are heavily in his favor. So God has moved tremendously through this situation. So. And, and it's just, you know... Through the past, through this whole period, continuing to say, God, you're, there, I've seen your servant move. I've seen him evangelize the people. I've seen the heart he has for his people. Why is your servant going through this? And now to see the powerful testimony to the Kenyan people coming out of this and the fact that he was able to use New River. Um, Pastor Caleb had wrote me a note just to share. He is so tremendously thankful that each one of you were a part of this miracle to help bring about his healing, or bring him on a course towards healing. So thank you. So now, my message, so today I'm going to, my message I'm going to be in John 20 and 2 Corinthians 5, in case you want to bookmark those, those chapters. But I wanted to start with, what does Easter mean? Because my own personal testimony is that for the first 30 years of my life, I didn't get it. I, I really missed the message behind Easter. Um, I was baptized as a baby. And to a certain extent, in my head, that was, I'm in the club. Um, you know, as long as I don't screw up tremendously from here um, and do one of the big sins, murder somebody, I'm good. And so, kind of floated through life that way. Easter's would come, Easter's would go, but I really didn't get it. And it wasn't until I saw God moving in the lives of others that I started to see, wow, the grace that some people operate at, the humility that people are able to operate at. There's, there's something more here that I need to explore. And then diving into God's word and realizing where I've been all my life to date and what his true message is, is something very different. And so it really got me to explore. So I really wanted to dig in from that perspective today and just be able to share the, the, the true message and, and the impact on, it's had on my life. So I want to start in John 20, which is the day of the resurrection and heading to the tomb. But I want to start uh, at, actually, at verse 19. And I want to start more in the afternoon 
when he comes to see the disciples. So starting on verse 19 in John 20, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So keep in mind, the disciples are here. They're essentially in hiding. They're behind locked doors. They're in fear of the Jews. They're, they feel that we're going to be the next ones crucified. You know, everything has kind of gone into calamity at this point. They don't know what, uh, what direction they're heading. Um, everything that they had been thinking up to this point has, has kind of changed. Um, and so they're scared. And so you see the words there, peace be with you. And then as we start verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. I got this. Things are on plan. You know, you're, 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 you're scattered, but I'm here. I'm here. I'm coming, I'm coming back, and I'm here to join you, and I'm here to commission you. So I really see this as a commissioning of, of the disciples. <clears throat> as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so now a mighty po- the power of God is coming upon them, commissioning them for the next steps, bringing them boldness and bringing them grace. And the message that they're going to share in verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And then, you know, the, the end of that verse you know, caught my attention. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So I was like, hmm, that seems troubling that the disciples had that much power to forgive or not forgive sins. But it really is blending that with the rest of Jesus' overall message, which is whoever, looking at John three thirty six, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in them. So they are to go out and share the message of through Jesus' death, our sins are forgiven. We, are, we have the opportunity to be reconciled to God, that he's given his only son to share that message. And if they believe, their sins are forgiven. Some will, will hear that message and not believe, and their sins will not be forgiven. And, that, and as John 3.36 says, God's wrath remains on them. So I wanted to start with, I wanted to stop here and just share a personal kind of message of forgiveness in my own life. Um, Tammy and I came here about 14 years ago. Uh, we had relocated, we, we joined New River when right as soon as we relocated to South Windsor. We had uh, relocated from California. And so I had been with the same company all throughout, but I had taken a job rotation out to California we had been there for two years. Um, Christ had moved powerfully in Tammy's life through that time um, as far as being able to learn the word, strengthen her relationship. I was, you know, behind her, I would say, um, at that time. And so as, as this opportunity, you know, my focus was on career, growing my career, just continuing to, to pursue, you know, financially being able to support the family, my own pride pushing things, and so opportunity came up to move back here um, to take a, take a promotion, 
come back here to a different position. So I flew out here to essentially agree to the position and, uh, and start the, the course of moving back to Connecticut. I'm, at, I'm getting, preparing for a 7 a.m. breakfast to accept the position. And at 6 a.m., uh, the phone rings, and it's Tammy. And so this makes, means it's 3 a.m. California time. Tammy says, I've been up praying with Melissa all night long, and I just sense you shouldn't take the position. I was like, you kidding me? You know, I'm an hour away. I've, got, I've worked all these pieces into place. You've got to be kidding me. You know, so taking a breath, said, okay, I understand. Thanks for your concern. I'm taking the position. <laughs> and so Tammy submitted. We moved cross-country, advanced it a couple months. I begin the position. Of course, I'm focused on, you know, I want to make a good name for myself right off the bat. I'm working like a dog. The position was a nightmare, <laughs> to say the least. It was hard. It was, and my attitude towards it was made it even harder. So give you a typical scenario, Tammy would call me at 5 p.m. and answer the phone. Oh, I'm making dinner. What time are you going to be home? Ah, I should be home about 6 p.m. I'll see you then. Then start going about things. Mine's just kind of distracted. Phone rings at 6.30. I'm still sitting there at my desk. What's going on? I thought you were going to be home. And I'll just tell you, a man's pride makes him say very stupid things. I can tell you that. Um, so I was like, well, you know, big important things came up. Things came up and blah, 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 blah. Making up, you know, whatever excuse I could gra grasp onto. Just knowing that I've screwed, completely screwed up. That didn't help that situation because that was not, that was probably one of about easily six times that that happened over the course of like a couple of months. And so all the time, Tammy is getting the message that she is the lowest priority on my totem pole. Um, it's just getting beaten down. And it was, I'd say, a good three months before I woke up and realized the damage I was doing to my family. And so at that point, it was a Saturday afternoon. We were started on a car drive, but I just said, I just finally broke. And I said, Tammy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I've dragged you cross country, that I've treated you like dirt, that I put everything else ahead of you. Um, and it was a humbling experience to be able to, real, to, to finally say, I've screwed up. Her forgiveness in that situation, I, I begged her forgiveness, essentially. I'm so sorry for this. And to receive the blessing of her forgiveness, to just break the, the power that Satan kind of had over our marriage and our relationship at that time, and just to be restored and reconciled. It's an incredible thing. And that's just an example of, of, of the grace that Jesus brings to us. I mean, when, we, when he forgives our sins, we are just a completely new creation. Second Corinthians says, 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. I'd mentioned that, that what I saw in, in uh, Christians, and I'd say Tammy was a shining example in my life because 
she truly received Christ prior to me. Um, the grace, the humility, the fact that this was a different person than what I knew. This is not the person that's kind of fighting for the position in the marriage or the relationship. The person that just sees me with different eyes through the stupid things I do. And it suddenly said, there's something here that I really need to explore. And that really began my journey in faith to get closer to Christ. It's a completely new person. Just the old is gone. Shame, guilt, fear. The new is here. We're forgiven. We're reconciled to God. There's a desire to reconcile to others. And then being righteous in his eyes. Being made right with God to be entered into his presence. There's nothing that we can do in our own power to make us right with God. You know, I was always one that, you know, I'm going to work hard at everything, and I'm going to whatever I can do. And to be able to realize that there's nothing, no work that I can do that just can clean me and cleanse my sins other than accepting Christ and receiving his forgiveness. And all this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ. So to think through forgiveness, Jesus died on the cross, and our sins can be forgiven. He's done a one-way action. It's one way. Reconciliation is then two ways, bringing the two together. Um, Being able to accept, as we accept Christ and accept that forgiveness, we have that cleansing. In the same way, in my own marriage, we can be two opposing forces, just button heads and banging together. And we're not going anywhere quick when we're banging together like that. But when we humble ourselves, when we seek forgiveness of others, when we look for the best in others and really seek that reconciliation together, we're powerful, um, we're powerful together. But then as we then receive Christ, he also gives us a commission as well. You're called to a ministry of reconciliation so that as I have forgiven you, as I, as you have become reconciled to me, I also call you to others. Look around you. What's going on? First, you're between yourself and others and then others together that you see that are struggling with the same type of things. Now that I've experienced the hope and the love, um, I have that opportunity to share that with others, and it's so important. You know, so often, you know, we, we, can, we can say we're a new creation, but it's very easy to lose your freshness in that. If you're not staying connected, if you're not um, living among, you know, others that will hold you to accountability, if you're not in his word, you can lose that freshness. And, and I find this, you know, I had to go through this just even over the past week. I always find as you prepare for a lesson, um, God brings you through a journey and brings you through the things that you're going to talk through. So I'd say Tammy and I both maintain pretty busy schedules. And, uh, you know, several, you know, over the past couple of weeks, we were, you know, extremely busy. And, you know, it's not using that as an excuse, but essentially it starts leading to a bitter root in my heart at times if I'm not paying attention. And so it will start with things like I come home from work, I've had a rough day, and suddenly I get a text of, 
hey, I'm still in a meeting, can you grab dinner for Jeremy, and oh, by the way, he has three exams to study for tomorrow. And suddenly I'm like, are you kidding me, you know? I'm the one, you know, I'm doing all this work, I gotta do this work stuff as well, and it just starts brewing. And I'm not, I'm not one that easily shares his emotions at all. Um, it really takes typically a climactic event for my emotions to finally come out. Um, so it starts brewing and brewing, and over the course of a couple of weeks, it actually came to a head in a simplistic way where Tammy walks into the house. You walk in from our garage, and you walk right into the kitchen, and I don't want to get dirt on the carpet, so I kick my shoes off there, and it's a major pet peeve of her for my shoes to be in the kitchen. So she simply walks in one afternoon and says, oh, could you pick up, could you pick up your shoes and move them to the area? And, and I just exploded. You know, are you kidding me? You know, what, do, do I got to do everything? Can't you just do a simple act of picking up my shoes and moving my shoes? Um, and she just stopped and looked at me and said, I think you've got to explore where your heart's at. And like, all right. So, of course, it was, you know, give me a couple, give me like 24 hours to think it through. But essentially, God started revealing to me, hey, you're harboring a lot of stuff in your heart. You're letting a lot of bitter roots grow here. And it's not healthy. This is, this is not of Tammy. This is your own doing where this stuff is swelling up. And you've got to learn to communicate and uh, be able to do that. And, that, you know, I can think of so many situations where I'm thinking, you know, my wife's not, not respecting me, you know, and my boss is this, and things just brewing and stewing. And so we can, we can look at the passage where it says, and the crowd said, crucify him, the son of God, when my wife is a daughter of God, and here I am brewing up almost the same things in my head. And it's really that bitterness. So we've got to turn, that, turn inward at times and really say what's stewing in our hearts. And, uh, you know, seek. And that's what reconciliation really is in my life. To be able to say, you know, I'm hurting and I'm letting some bad stuff in here and it's not the work of God and I got to get this out. I got to share and I got to seek forgiveness if I've harmed Tammy as a result of it. And then... Um, be able to reconcile and work through it and provide forgiveness when uh, it goes the other way. So I just kind of see it as what better time than right now as we enter into spring for a little bit of gardening of going in to harvest out some of those bitter roots that are in our heart and being able to rip those out and seek reconciliation. So just to, to be able to bring that together and say that, you know, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is, there is nothing that is going to make us right in our own strength. It's only through the acceptance. God brought the perfect to the imperfect us to show us the way. He takes our sin, and through faith in him, we're able to be righteous with God so that we can uh, enter into his presence in heaven. So I'll just wrap it up this way as I look through this. I almost see this as a journey for myself and for others. First, we believe in Christ so that we can receive his forgiveness. And we are forgiven so that we can hold on to that hope 
and we can become a new creation. And we are reconciled to him through that as we receive it, as we change our heart, as we really explore what's going on within us. We can receive that and be, uh, be renewed. We're then called to reconcile with others in our direct relationships. What are we doing? Um, how can we help others and how can we strengthen others and then draw others to, uh, to reconciliation with him? It's truly healing, you know, as, as I started off with a physical healing with Pastor Caleb. You know, it's tremendous that we're able to be physical, you know, help and be a part of his physical healing. But each one of us needs a spiritual healing from the inside out. And the only way we can do that is really starting with our relationship with Christ and accepting that forgiveness in our hearts and searching our hearts. So let me just close in prayer as uh, we begin our own, as we, no matter, dear Lord, I just lift up, no matter where we are in our walk of faith, um, whether we have not accepted you yet, um, whether we're, whether we've accepted you and still struggling, whether we are, our work, seeing uh, others that we can, that we may be now vocal about the healing that we've had to be able to share with others. Lord, may you just stretch us this day. May today be the day to just uh, grow further in our relationship with you. And uh, I thank you, Jesus, for your tremendous sacrifice today that you have risen from the dead, that you have overcome death, that you have been saved for us, that you desire, you love us, you love us so tremendously to be able to give your only son for us that we may be reconciled to you and have right relationship with you. So, Jesus, I, and God, I just give you thanks and praise today. Amen.